Mm-hmm. You know, when we went to uh, South Africa two years ago, mm-hmm. there were a couple of the young ladies that had serious issues with being there mm-hmm. because they had pretty much grew up, they well, not pretty much, they grew up in the Berkshires mm-hmm. and they had not been exposed to a lot of people of color. Mm-hmm. Here they are now, they're in South Africa. Everything mm-hmm. they see is black. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Hello, and welcome to A Sense of Place, the podcast of the Housatonic Heritage Oral History Center at Berkshire Community College. We might be in a studio or someone's living room, but these stories bring us to the important moments in people's lives, here, in our own part of the world, or wherever those places may be. I am Judith Monakina, and our stories can be found at theoralhistorycenter.org. Because prior to that, two of these young women were saying, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't go with a black guy. You know, I don't like black this. I don't like black that. And so we, the mentors, we heard all of this. And so we knew once they got there, they were probably going to have some, have a, a, a real uh, come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> you know, the self-discovery, you know, about who they are and their history and their heritage. You're listening to Shirley Edgerton. Her interview is a part of the Berkshire NAACP Oral History Project. Just to see that transition that these young women went through, you know, having to acknowledge history because we took them to the slave castle. You can't deny this, folks. Do you see this building? Do you see this sign? Entry of no return. That's where the slaves walked out of and, and were placed on those boats, okay? Those were your ancestors. Do you understand this? But the amazing thing is when particularly these two young women, while they were there, they got their hair braided. Well, that was major, okay? That was the first major step of me recognizing that they were beginning to accept who they are, their heritage, which impacts on their self-esteem. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to deny partially who you are, mm-hmm. you're denying your being, you know? Mm-hmm. But you have to tell us about this program. So oh, how did I'm this, sorry. how did you yeah. know? No, no, now, now we're all, our appetites yeah. are all like, okay, so what, what is this program? It's the Rites of Passage and Empowerment Program for Girls. So first we started Youth Alive Performance Arts. Right. Okay. And that came out of the church. Um, basically, my oldest daughter and a friend of hers decided one day that they wanted to do a step after, uh, at a church program. Like, what do you guys know about a step? You get, <laughs> what, that's an HBCU phenomenon, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, oh, we, we can do it. As, we were like, okay. So they grabbed up their younger siblings and a friend, and it was five of them. And they choreographed a step. Wow. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I had no idea that's how it started. Yeah, yeah. So then they were like, well, we want to do it at the gathering, which is the oldest African-American festival, you know, in the county. So we're like, oh, okay, you know, so myself, another parent, you know, we got together, got them little outfits, and they performed at this gathering. The kids went crazy in the community went crazy. They're like, oh, I want to join. I want to join. We're like, join? We don't have anything to join. This is just some kids in the church. (laughs) So, you know, my ex-husband, he's like, well, then, you know, we got to make a group. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) He was like, yeah, Shirley, you could do this. I was like, 
oh God, then my daughter comes to me and mommy, we want to do this. We want to, you know, we want to have a step group. So I said, okay, you know, and um, that's what we started doing. You know, wow. we created a wow. place for them at the church to practice. Kids came in, then we recognized that it was growing and that we needed to move it outside of the church because we realized it could be a good um, opportunity for some of the kids in the community to be involved in something positive. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. Then with my social work background, I began recognizing that there were some other needs in the kids, academic and social. So I started just adding some different pieces to it, um, and it developed into a program. Wow. Over the years, we huh. traveled. We took the kids cross-country, got a grant, wrote my first grant, took them cross-country to California. That was incredible. Some of those kids had never even been out of Pittsfield, you know. And um, boys, you know, we started the drum line because we, yes, I, I, I used to, Jacob's Pillow, every time they do something free, I'd take the kids. One day, the director of education came up to me, and she said, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She said, everywhere I go, I see you <laughs> with a bunch of kids. Who are you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. J.R. Glover. She, yeah. So she said, who are you? And I said, well, my name is Shirley Edgerton. We have no money, and I work with kids, so I have to try to find everything free. You know, so she was like, you're kidding. I said, yeah. She says, is that why you show up? I said, yeah. It's opportunities for the kids. We don't have funds. So mm -hmm. I said, that, and it's a, these are rich experiences. So that's how I started. We started this relationship with Jacob's Pillow. We, to this day, we still have a relationship with them. You know? So what do you do up there? What do you? We, we um, go to shows. Uh, we had a grant with them, mm -hmm. which, you know, helped us, you know, in terms of traveling and doing some of the things we were doing back then. Mm -hmm. uh, the, and the, the bucket drummers started mm -hmm. because Jacob's Pillow took a group of uh, people from the community, including the whole step team, to New York City to Broadway. And we saw Xavion Glover. Mm -hmm. um, oh, right. Yes, yeah, he's been up here, the, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So my son... Some of the other young boys who were on the team stepping at that time saw Xavion on the um, bucket drumming and tap dance and all that. They came back to Pittsfield and they decided they wanted to drum like they saw Xavion on the buckets and all these other young men on the stage. So we got them some buckets and some drumsticks and we created the first uh, bucket drumming group in Pittsfield. Wow. So eventually what I recognized, though, is that the girls... They were um, they were pretty much creating second class citizenships for themselves with the boys. <laughs> so the boys would be practicing the drums and getting ready for show. They would be all excited and focused, and the girls are being cued and paying attention to them. It's like, ladies, aren't you supposed to be stepping? Yeah, we are, we are. But they're you know doing everything they can. To draw the attention of the of the boys, and mm. you know, weren't really doing, weren't totally um, appreciating the experience for themselves, because mm. it was so much more they could be doing for themselves if they were more self focused. Right. So I had said, I said, "Wow, we need a girls program." where the girls are working on their development, mm -hmm. where they are working on developing their voices and their self-esteem. Yeah. So I went to a couple of my friends who by then, whenever I came, they were like, oh, God, Shirley, not <laughs> another idea, okay? Not another 
I said, no, listen, just listen. If you think it's a crazy idea, we don't have to do it. What do you mean, we, Shirley? <laughs> so, so I told them, they were like, oh, my God, you're right. It's like, Shirley, get out of here. We don't want to see you. <laughs> so, so once again, um, about five of us, we started the Rights of Passage and Empowerment Program six years ago for girls because we recognized that they needed something from the boys where they were totally focused on themselves. So we created this holistic program. And when we mean holistic, we mean spiritual, find all of it, you know, all, all, all of their being. Um, and mm. the, the, the focus was to mentor them. Something that I had when I was growing up, and many of these professional women, they were all professionals, um, they had had similar experiences in terms of having women in their lives. So we all decided that that's, you know, we needed to give it back. And now we come to how she started to bring groups to Africa. A woman who knew Shirley and her work invited her to go to South Africa, first alone, to do some work at an orphanage there. And so I went to South Africa um, about five years ago. I, I went to South Africa again, but Ilovo, which mm -hmm. where this orphanage is. And um, the director and I, it felt like we were long lost sisters. We worked together. I set up some programming for the girls fell in love with the girls the day I left you know everybody's in tears they offered me a job um, you know and I'll, I'll be honest I seriously thought about it you know because I had just it, it, it was just perfect you know mm. it, it was just perfect mm. and um, mm. so probably the only reason why I didn't accept the job was because then my youngest daughter they had uh, my oldest granddaughter who's three years old Years before, Shirley had dated an African man when she was a young woman, and her father was concerned that she might move to Africa. He would not be able to help her with her kids, he said, including bringing supplies. He asked, what if they couldn't get milk for the kids? If she was not born, I probably would be over in South Africa, but I totally fell in love with her. And there was just no way in the world that I was not going to be able to see her. You know. Right, it's the opposite of the milk problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're good at connecting things. <laughs> that's really, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So then... How did you get from going there and doing this work in the orphanage to bringing other? Well, because uh, it went so well there, the director and I decided we would maintain contact, mm -hmm. and they wanted me to come back. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I yeah. said, if I come back, I have to bring some of my girls because they have to have this experience. And I also think it would be great for mm. the girls here and my girls to have an interaction and exchange life experiences the way you and I have. Mm -hmm. So she agreed mm. you know they was like yeah she's like bring them bring them if that's how what we need to like bring them and that's what we did we wow. raised the money and wow. um you know we brought the girls you know wow. we brought 10 girls and it was just a parent it was just incredible just incredible experience so and you went to the orphanage as well yes yeah. so what we had decided was that you know how we wanted to introduce the girls to Africa you know you all the stereotypes mm -hmm. that you have about Africa and 
you know, so we figured, okay, well, we'll start off with a little luxury vacation. <laughs> and, and that's what we did. We took them first to Durban. They loved it. We were on the beach. We stayed in a very nice hotel. They shopped. They did all the tourist things. Yeah. Okay. We took them to all the tourist sites and yeah. the big, beautiful city, the night lights. They were like, oh, my God, Miss E, this is like being in Miami. We're like, okay, okay, yeah, Miami. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we said, okay. So they're like, can we stay one more day? Okay, fine. Stay one more day, you know. So then because we, we wanted them to see the difference in lifestyles, okay, and how most of the people were living. So we loaded them up in the van that Monday morning, rode out to uh, Ilovo, you know, farm country. They could see um, the shanty towns, you know, the, the uh, do you know, shanty towns, mm-hmm. the, how, the, right. Mm-hmm. And th- they saw. Do you want to describe it, though? Yes. In case someone's listening. Yes. Has yes. seen a picture? The, 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 the kind of, most of them are round. They're made out of whatever materials that they can get. Um, ten often, you know, on the roof. Um, most of the times they're just one large room that a large number of people are living in. Um, they're out, it's out in the country or in the bush. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's very basic living, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So as we left the big city, the kids began to see the differences in the community. And they were like, where are we going? I said, we're going to the orphanage. Well, the orphanage uh, used to be a sugar cane field, you know, so you, you still have a lot of uh, tall uh, grass and things around it. We pulled into the, it's it's enclosed, security guard. We pulled into the orphanage, and they saw the houses, you know, regular houses, and sort of set up like group homes inside. Uh, that's how the orphanages are. And they each have a mom um, mm-hmm. that takes care of about five to seven kids mm-hmm. per house. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a nice arrangement. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I, I love the structure because mm-hmm. we had each of our young ladies to choose a task. So myself and another and the nurse, we worked in the field doing because they had a large garden which they ate out of. Mm-hmm. So we worked in the uh, in the field. We had some of the girls who volunteered to work in the daycare center. Others worked in the school setting. Mm-hmm. Whatever they chose mm-hmm. to do, it's just that everybody had to have a task. And how long were you there? Um, for ten days. Uh-huh. Yep. Enough to really get a sense of yes. what, to really get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So when we got back, mm-hmm. part of the process um, is that we decided that we the girls would tell their story, not the adults. The girls would tell their story. And we invited the donors in and people from the community. One of the mentors is a communication specialist, Roberta Dews, who works with the mayor. Mm -hmm. So she helped, you know, she was there with the girls, you know, to help them write their story. She didn't write it, you know, but she helped with with their grammar and prepared them for their presentation. When they made their presentation, there were some of us that cried. Mm-hmm. because they talked about their transition mm-hmm. and they were able to talk about being proud of who they are. They were able to talk about the history of the African Americans and they were able to say the words. I mean, they really had internalized it. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it was like I'm sitting in like, yep, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is it. Congratulations. Mm-hmm.
can listen to the entire interview in the Berkshire NAACP Oral History Project at www.theoralhistorycenter.org under News and Projects. Thank yous go out to Shirley Edgerton, of course, and to the University of Massachusetts Libraries, Special Collections, archiving and making available these interviews, and to Kevin McLeod for this music. Thank you.